Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the November 2014 edition of the Fantasy Book Club, run by Accessible World and hosted by yours truly, Julia. This month, we will be discussing Seven Princes by John R. Fultz, and as we previously discussed on list and off recording... None of us seemed to find the book very interesting, except, oh, well, actually Lana did, I think. She might have actually finished it, but um, I suppose I could consider myself a bad leader, and I didn't finish the book. I just, I got halfway through it, and it did get slightly more interesting towards the end, but I just figured I'm only 52% of the way through, and I did not feel motivated to finish the rest of it. So what did everybody else think? First, don't give me credit for being a good girl. I read the ending. I didn't read the book. I skipped to the last chapter to see if it came out sounding in any way like it would be better, and it didn't. I think this book, I think this is going to open an interesting discussion about what we like in fantasy, what we don't like in fantasy, why, and and the direction fantasy is taking, because we had a book um, two meetings ago that some of us didn't like real well. So... I'm wondering what's going on, either the way they're writing fantasy now or what we expect when we read it. I think that'll be a real interesting discussion to have after we've gone through what we did and didn't like about this book. Well, um, I have to compliment Lana on some of the comments that she has made over the years about books and why she likes and doesn't like certain fantasy because... I really found that your comments about authors who create worlds and don't create them very well is really true of this book. I found that I didn't like the book, number one, because I didn't like the characters very well, and I really didn't care about them. Number two... I was plunged into a world that was not very well created. I didn't understand how many kingdoms there were, how many princes there were, what the main conflict was, why we should care about the the uh, given characters that we were we were reading about. I just found it extremely well, it, it's sort of like a uh, uh, um, one of those Paul Hindemith um, pieces of music. It just sort of bangs away, and it doesn't really have a, a very good beginning, and it doesn't have a middle, and it doesn't really have an end. It's just a section of time where the musicians are playing sort of each on their own and nothing is very coherent and I just I'm sorry but I just could not read it and um, I had two books that were on my plate Um, I made my decision to stop reading on Friday and I started reading The Lost Island by Preston and Child which I finished this afternoon and then I made the mistake, the, huh, yes, the mistake. I haven't done a damn thing today. I made the mistake of starting to read 
Fool's Assassin by Robin Hobb. And, um, well, here I am, and it's a good thing, too, because if I had, uh, uh, you know, if my cat hadn't come and wanted his food and everything else, I would have been still reading. So you should be lucky I'm here. I think one of the problems with the book is the what is at stake didn't really matter to us. I hate to keep harping back on Tolkien or even the first volume of the Robert A. Jordan series. But you have people who, not just characters you like, but that's important too, people whose lives you care about, whose worlds you care about. And this was so remote that we kind of like, oh, all these names and you know, there's some pretty cushions and beaded curtains and, and stuff like that. But And, of course, I love that kind of, those trimmings. But but really, why did we care? Other than the guy was evil, he killed out a lot of people when he invaded the palace. But they weren't real to us. And, and so nothing was at stake. Well, I actually did finish the book. I went all the way through it. I don't didn't like it at all. Um, you know, I found it really hard to care about the the first prince. Um, and there are seven, by the way. I counted them. Um, you know, my the the only guy that sounded like he was worth anything got killed off in it. Um, I didn't like. Oh, I can't even remember his name. Uh, the illegitimate son of the queen and Garm, I think his name was. Um, I didn't particularly like him. Uh, the only character I found it particularly likable was the girl, whose name I can't remember either. So, it wasn't a very fun book. Maybe it would have helped if we'd had it on Bard or Audible, where somebody who at least uh, pretended like they knew how to pronounce the names pronounced them. Uh, I find that, and this was true of an Irish detective story I tried to read, Bookshare made such a gobble of the name that I couldn't, I could just couldn't get that person. Well, yeah, I mean, that is that is one of the disadvantages. And yes, I suppose if somebody had been reading it, I might have enjoyed it better. You know, some human person would have been reading it. I, I might have enjoyed it better. But I don't think that was a problem because uh, actually the Bookshare books are, the voice is pretty good. I mean, I read the whole um the last book in the series of the one about the the um, alchemist. I read the, that whole last book, uh, the sixth book in the in the thing uh, with Bookshare, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. So I don't think it's that, Lana. I just think that this author doesn't write very well, um, mainly because, as I, as I keep saying, you're you're absolutely right. There was no. There was no chapter in which we got all the information, you know, laid out in front of us. We, um, I think the reason that you like Tolkien is because even though you, 
you it takes a while to get the the orientation of all the the places in middle earth you know where things are geographically and all that kind of stuff that's not so important as that one chapter in the beginning of the of the lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring what's it called the shadow of the past or something and what what tolkien does is he sits down and he tells frodo all of the stuff that happened in the past all of the information that he has gathered from going back and forth over the whole kingdom for the you know over the whole of middle earth for the past 10 years or however long it's been um and he just sits there and he outlines everything and he finally comes to the end and Frodo says, my God, I've got to leave here. <laughs> you know, I'm a danger to my friends and my neighbors. I've got to leave here. Um, you know, and you know what's going on. You, you understand what's happening. And you, you figure, well, this poor character's in trouble and, and this is what he's facing and you might not know all the specifics of the journey he's facing, and he doesn't even know them. But you know the main thing. You know the the main, you know the the uh, the main conflict. You have a clear idea as to who's good and who's evil and what's happening. I didn't get that here. I really didn't at all. I mean, I got it in the first chapter, but then I couldn't figure out how these other princes applied to the first chapter there was no linking of these things at all it was it was very badly designed sort of like a bad website yeah i agree with all the points discussed but i must say the one good thing i found about the book was the descriptions of the landscape and the some of the descriptions of the people and yeah, um, I agree. Marshall Gurm was a very evil person. Um, Sharedza was indeed quite likable. And yeah, the rest of the characters, um, who cares? Well, and I thought the first prince, the one whose father was killed by the evil magician, um, I didn't find him particularly likable. It was just... It just seemed he was whining and whining and whining. You know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Um, I, you know, I guess I didn't find any of the characters particularly likable. Uh, the only one I did, I, I guess I liked the two sons of the giant prince, one of whom was killed. I liked those two, and I liked the daughter, and I think the queen was okay, but, you know, it was just, I couldn't, well, you've all said it, we couldn't connect with what was going on. I wonder if too many of today's fantasy, remember when Tolkien wrote fantasy, when C.S. Lewis wrote fantasy, and some of the early writers, they knew they had to get the reader caught in the setting. They had to first put their feet on the ground, but they had to make them care. I'm wondering if too many of today's fantasy writers aren't trying to write Game of Thrones 
or some kind of TV epic where special effects are the thing. And they make assumptions that we know. Remember that Dark Witch or Dead Witch Walking it was. Uh, where they just we just plop. Here we are in this world and we're thrashing about trying to figure out what rules were, what, what, what is what. You know, she, the woman in Cincinnati or in Ohio or wherever it was. And these two worlds have been merged together. We don't know what or why or anything. And sometimes it helps to have a little bit of a start like that uh, to get your attention. But then you have to go into the background. You have to explain things. Um, I am. I have a real problem in my writing that I'm too much on backstory and not enough about what happens next. And they, these guys are very big on what happens next, and they forget about the backstory. The other thing I object to is... It seems like the fantasy now has to throw in vampires or, you know, something. I'm I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, but it's just like any, any book that has fantasy now has to have vampires or ghouls or something in it. Yeah, if they're relevant to the world you create, it makes sense. But I try to avoid books about vampires, so I would probably not be the best source of information on that. But I've read a few, but I, I don't like making evil good. Uh, yes, you can have a character that turns from evil to good. Nora Roberts did a real good uh, real of that. Okay, Julia, you still there? Yep, I'm here. Okay, because... Uh, um... There we go. Yeah. Is everybody back now? Because um, I had to go out and come back in because it, it got weird. Sorry about that. Yeah, it froze. I couldn't talk. Same thing here. I think the point I was trying to make is where is fantasy going? What do we, why do we read fantasy? What do we want? What makes it work? I think we need to, I think that's a discussion worth having. Well, there should be consistently well-developed characters. Every character should be well-developed. I think a good example of that would be the first book we read in the Dragonlance series. They were all very fleshed-out characters. And like you mentioned, there has to be enough backstory so that we know where we're going. And there should be very, you know, or at least quite good descriptions of the world and, you know, the places and, you know, all those setting details. Um, of course, there has to be good conflict. This is just all story stuff, though. I'm not... Anyway, I'll let you guys talk. Well, as far as fantasy goes, I read fantasy because I like the genre. I have always liked the genre, ever since Andrew Lang and the folk tales and all that kind of stuff. I I always download the folk tales when they come up on Bard. Um... Because I love reading that kind of stuff. I, I love folk tales and, and fantasy of any kind. Uh, because it tells me so much about, um, you know, human beings and, and stuff. What fantasy should do is... What it does is it takes ordinary people and expands them. Yeah. Yeah, it makes them bigger, it makes them simpler and bigger, and it 
gives you a, it, what it should do is give you a conflict between good and evil that is well drawn and that is understandable and that, um, you know, you can, you can uh, kind of get your teeth into. But some of the, the most basic stuff is that if you're going to create a world, you have to do it and relate it back to reality. You have to have a kingdom that is uh, believable. You have to have people that either are living as they lived in the Middle Ages, and that has to be consistent, or they have to be living in the modern age, and they have to be consistent with that. You have to be able to delineate your setting, whatever it is. If you have a wide setting where you have um, a, a continent or whatever, or a world, you have to you have to be clear as to the location of the various places where fantasy takes place. But the most important thing is, well, two things. One, you have to get all your five W's straight. And I think that's why I just didn't like this book. I didn't get the five W's, so I didn't like the book. And the second thing is, you have to have clearly delineated characters who have clearly delineated motives for what they're doing. Now, you can have flat characters that have clearly delineated motives, and that's fine. But you have to say that they're, well, you don't have to say they're flat, but I mean, you have to treat them as flat characters, and they have to behave consistently throughout your book that you're creating. And if they're rounded characters, you have to have them grow consistently and why they grow and how they grow and all that kind of stuff. You have to, you have, it, writing, well, as Lana knows, writing a novel is no mean task. You have to think it all through before you write it. And that's why, you know, I have so much difficulty in my current project because I'm not sure how I'm going to do the things I'm going to do and I have to make them I have to make them fit what I am envisioning and I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do that yet and that's why I'm having a little trouble and why I haven't submitted anything to the writers group well maybe you need to uh, ask some of your questions in email and tell us what you're trying I understand why you don't want to be on the phone but but keep in there, keep at it, you know, or sometimes you just have to write. Uh, just here's yesterday I spent, well, I'm, we're talking about writing now, not fantasy. Um, but you do, you do have to have characters grow, but you also, I read fantasy to go on vacation. I want to have a thrill, uh, but I, I can't have a thrill if, I don't quite believe it. And and fantasy, of course, you probably hear a person say, how could you believe in kings and queens and dragons and so on? If the writer's good, you can. Yes, you bring up a good point, Lana. It's definitely a specialized form of escapist fiction. If I want to stay in the real world, I will 
read a historical fiction book. If I want to get away, I will read a fantasy book. Yeah, I I agree. I I absolutely agree. Yes, you can believe in dragons if the writer is consistent enough in what what he's telling you. If the story hangs together. Yeah. I, I, and I, I read fantasy to go on vacation as well. Um, oh, I've got students and obligations and junk that I do, and I, I read fantasy to escape and, uh, and, or to be entertained. And so um, that's what I'm doing. And, you know, just to give you an illustration of why... Um, I spent the last two hours and some reading this Robin Hobb book. Okay, now granted, I've read the previous series about this guy, so I, I know a little bit about the character. But you've got this guy who is now in his 40s. He is living comfortably on a, on a estate in, you know, in the country. He's having a good time. He has a wife. He has a daughter who is grown up. He um, is known all over the country as as uh, Tom Badgerlock, and there's you know, and nobody knows, or very few people know, that he used to be a king's assassin and part of the king's court and all this. But you know it. And the author reminds you of it. He has a prologue in which he lays out the story from before. He has, in chapter one, the main character is talking about his life and he says, well, you know, this is my life now, that was my life then. And when he brings in all the new things... He relates them back to the old things. There's a connection there. And so you can follow this and you go, Oh yeah, I remember that. I want to read more. What happened? And you know, and and you're going, Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And it's fascinating to watch this author work his his art because you know, he he draws you in with, you know, some action and so forth. And then he makes you think about what's going on and why why the politics and all this. And this is what fascinates me, is these authors who can write action books and then at the same time very political um, stories and I am just fascinated. I've only read like two hours of this book, and I'm just fascinated to see all the rest of this. And the darn thing—the <laughs> darn thing—is 27 hours long. I'm going to be reading this thing all week. Didn't we read the first in that series where he was left at the a print as as dumped in the castle or something by his father, and he go? It ends with his first mission, and. What do you want to bet, Anne, that if I read that book, who had never read the other books, 
I would be able to, yes, it would help to have read those other books, and aha, I remember that. But what do you want to bet I could read that book and be okay with, be grounded within the first few chapters? Well, you would be, because he explains everything. And he tells you what the world is, he tells you what the main conflict is, and we're getting into some more deeper stuff um, as I'm going on with this thing. But it is um, it is consistent. It is um, it is well drawn. It absolutely is. And you know um, the fantasy that we all love. And you know the you know the ones. I mean the ones you can name without even thinking about it. The C.S. Lewis, the Tolkien, the um, the Robert Jordan, the Terry Goodkind. All these authors have the same ability to bring you into the story and keep you there because they give you the information in the right order and in the you know and they have to think it out it, they really do and and I come back to the writing because the a writer writing isn't just putting your your hands on the keyboard you have to think about what you're doing it is a thought process and you have to go through it and you have to think about it and whether you spend three seconds thinking about it or whether you spend three years thinking about it it's still the the main work goes on in the author's head the typing is just the the uh, the result of all the thinking that the author did and whoever wrote this did not think very well. I wish that the person who recommended were here, not so we could grill her over the coals, but I would like to have her, and of course she didn't answer her email, but I would really like to know what it is that appealed to her about the book. And my second question would be, I wonder if she's read that much fantasy. I mean, when I first, of course, in back in the old days of talking books, there weren't fantasy books out there, and you'll, you will remember those days. Uh, you grabbed what you could, and you read what was there, because that's what was available. And you liked it, because that was all there was. And I'm wondering if she has failed to read enough fantasy, and this was just so novel to her that it was good book. No, she. I talked to her quite a bit on FaceTime, and she reads like nothing but fantasy. This is why... I was so surprised when she sent that email because I thought she would be in complete agreement with us. How old is she? Do you mind if I ask? I think she's 35. Well, that should at least take in um, Robert Jordan and Harry Potter. I mean, it may not take in Tolkien and, uh, you know, some of the early, you know, Terry Brooks, but good heavens. I mean... Well, like, uh, you know, I'm thinking of these sweeping sagas that we all know. I mean, Terry Brooks, for instance, you know, you you start out with the with the the brothers in the town and the, so forth, and the um, and again, he uses Tolkien's same method of the the shadow of the past. You know, he may not call it that, but it's the same method 
where after this action thing and and you get yourself interested, he takes the two brothers off in the orchard or wherever the hell it is, I forget now. And he's sitting there and he's talking to them and he's saying, this is what happened in the past. This is what's going on now. This is why it's going on now. And this is, these are your choices. And of course the brothers say, well, we got to get out of here. Because somebody's looking for us. Somebody's somebody wants us dead. So we have to get out of here. Um, but you know, you get the whole the the whole thing laid out. You know, in in, in spades. You know, and and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I I wish she'd explain why she liked the book. I really do because I would like to know what it is that she found likable about this particular book because we all are are looking at this thing and saying this is terrible <laughs> and um i wonder if if authors you know i wonder what the author would say if he actually could hear us uh, you know our our discussion and since it's it's going to be published on Bard, I suppose he could if he looked at it on the internet, not that he would, but you know um, I wonder what he would say, I really do because um, I, I I would just like to ask him where you know, where does this take place, who are these people, what's going on, why should I care when was this supposed to have happened? You know, www. <laughs> and don't forget the H. Um, one thing about Terry Brooks in a lot of the Shannara books, even though there's a million of them, they usually come in clusters of three that have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And you can come in and read those books without having read the 16 or 27 books before it or without having to read the 92 books after it. And that's where Jordan and even I, I feel like I'm committing sacrilege saying this, Terry Goodkind made the mistake of writing too much without ever resolving anything. They, into this this um, soap opera, I, I know of her and Anne and Julia know who I mean, who who's, does not know how to begin, end, and middle a story. She's just writing a family saga soap opera. And these writers seem to think if they make six or eight or 20 books that we care for that many books. I want a situation resolved. Then I'll have a break and have another three books or something. Yeah, I never thought about that point before. That's true, although I did read the entire Sword of Truth series, but... They were books that I had to put aside, and I read in between other whole books. So I don't know if that tells you something, but I didn't couldn't read them all in one sitting. They were just too long. Right, and um, well, I I did read them sort of in order, all the all the good kind books. Um, and I don't know if you mean, oh, what who's that woman that wrote about a million books about the Scottish Highlands? Is that the woman you're talking about? I'm not talking about a published writer. Oh, oh, uh, the yes, the one we know with with the novel that goes continually. Um, yes, I. 
<sighs> and she can't write uh, intimate scenes with any kind of finesse at all, which is why I've quit reading her stuff. <laughs> God bless her. I I like her as 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 a person, nice lady, but. Uh, hmm. Speaking of intimate scenes, I think the best intimate scene I have ever read, and um, what I would like to emulate eventually, is the one between uh, Jennison and Sebastian. Just the way it was written was quite a technical masterpiece. I missed part of that. What? And Sebastian? The one between Jennison, I think that's her name, the one in that sort of true series, um, and Sebastian. Oh, I think those are the ones I like least, but okay. <laughs> Where she was looking for something, yeah, and she didn't have the ability. Yeah, I I, I wasn't, that, that was, I think about book six, if we're talking about good kind, I think after book six he should have resolved it quickly. Uh, the, the next three were just kind of, eh. Yeah, I didn't particularly like the Jenison books either. Um, I didn't, I didn't, uh. I didn't like those. Um, you know, I, I can't think of any fantasy writers offhand who who could write um, intimate scenes with finesse. I mean, I know there are. I just I'm not I'm not thinking of of them at the moment. Uh, Tolkien's Tolkien is is. Uh, High drama, you know, a very, a very ethereal and and um, you know, not not physically um, intimate, but uh, other fantasy people are. Um, but I, nothing, nothing clear comes to mind at the moment. But um, anyway, yeah. That that is, and sometime you know if if we want to discuss that, but that is that is definitely something that that authors tend to either do very well or not very well, and you know, the, uh, Robin Carr, for instance, does very well with her intimate scenes. And, um, you know, others, you know, just make them either too detailed or too dramatic or too something. I don't know what, but, um, you know, I, I find that, uh, you know, and, and intimacy does not bother me at all. It's just that some authors don't write about it very well. They they really don't, and um, I think that's one thing that maybe um, I don't know if if writers groups get into telling people how to write that sort of thing, but at least for me, less is more or less is better, um, and it should be more poetical than than. Um, scientific as far as I'm concerned but then <laughs> that's me well then you get into the paranormals that are just what eerie about the paranormals I'm about cured of them but 
they start out with such interesting situations. A lot of times you're in a situation, other than you get real sick and tired of vampire slayers but who, who are half vampire themselves. But really interesting situations, but then it stops, and it's all about the physical relationship. And, you know, the book is really only about a third as long as it is. <laughs> and I just want to, you know, I use the fast forward key a lot, not because I'm prudish, I am a little bit, but that's not why. It was just kind of fun. Uh, Lena, you cut out a little bit towards the end. You might want to repeat the last half of your sentence. I don't remember what it was saying. Uh, <laughs> just that uh, I wanted to, um, you would re- read these books and they have interesting situations sometimes, but the book is really only a third as long as the book is. The rest of it is all the physical relationship, and you just want to wring their neck and say, let's get on with the story. To be smut, it must be utterly without redeeming social importance. Ah, uh, yes. Um, anyway, never mind. I've, I, I continually start re- reciting Tom Lair when people start talking like this. <laughs> you know, it's a... Uh, as the judge remarked the day that he acquitted my Aunt Hortense to his smut, it must be utterly without redeeming social importance. But anyway, never mind. <laughs> I don't care about social importance. I just want a ripping good story. Yes, I agree with both Lana and Anne. Um, intimate scenes should be definitely more poetic, and I prefer them to be more about the emotions the characters are going through while they're experiencing it, as as she has said earlier, the scientific details of people's anatomy, because, you know, we're all adults, we know what people look like. Well, um, good heavens, it's quarter of nine, I don't believe it, wow, well, um... Maybe we should figure out what we're doing for December. I thought we had decided to read uh, Shattered by Kevin Hearn. Yes, 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 yes. I'd forgotten that, Lassie. I'm sorry. My mind was elsewhere. Uh, Good. Then that means I don't have to read anything for December because I've already read it. This is excellent. I had forgotten or missed that part of it. That's interesting. Um, of course, we've already decided on the book, but Bard had, I haven't read it yet, but it might be kind of fun sometime. Uh, NLS came out with this book called Christmas Ghosts, and I think that would be fun to read. I, know, I mean, we could read it after Christmas, uh, just, just as a different change of pace kind of thing. Hmm. What is that about? I have the vaguest idea. I think it's a series of short stories that I think some of them are probably Victorian. Nice reader. I haven't read it. I downloaded it, but I haven't read it. Um, but it's, um, I think it's just the ghost story. You know, you hear about people in Victorian England sitting around the fire Christmassy, Christmas night and telling ghost stories. And and I think that's kind of what it is. I don't know for sure, but it, it just sounds like a nice, cozy, you know, spooky but not horrible ghost story series. If you didn't like one, you could might like the next one that we might want to try sometime just for different. Um, I remember a little bit about the Bard. I don't remember how many short stories there are in it, but they go all the way from humor to horror, uh, and they all have a Christmas motif. Hmm, sounds interesting. Well, um, 
we've we have picked our book for December, so I guess we can't we can't reverse them. I don't suppose. But uh, um, well, this will give me a chance to read my twenty-seven-hour-long book. January is nice and cold and snowy to stick, sit around and read a Christmas book, especially for those of us who have fireplaces. Yes, this is true. Okay, all right. No quarrel there. Absolutely no quarrel at all. Um, that reminds me, I really should get my chimney fixed. I haven't had a fire in years because uh, I don't like fire. I mean, if I'm if I'm lighting it or stuff, I don't do that sort of thing. But if other people are around and they can light the fire, I like fires. But uh, the the, the um, what do you call that thing that that blocks off the flu? The damper. Um, there's something wrong with it, and it has to be fixed. So. Anyway, uh, fires are not in the offing at the moment. So, but all right, well, very good. Um, then we'll read that in January. That should be a, an interesting thing. Um, good, good, good. All right. Um, and fires are not, I mean, you'll have to get the flu fixed, but I use these manufactured logs. And so you don't have to worry about kindling and how you balance this piece of wood on top of that piece of wood. You use those lighting wands to start them, and there's a certain way you place them in the in the fireplace, and you can start them, and they'll burn for depending on what kind of log, anywhere to two to four to six hours or whatever. And they put out they don't crackle as loudly as real fires, but they put out some heat and they do make a little fire noise and. And they're very safe to use because you don't have to put any kind of lighter over lighter fluid over it or or uh, place this log here and that log and poke them around. In fact, you're not supposed to poke them around. But when you get your flu fixed, I would you know pine mountains out there for something. Well, that's nice to know. I mean, I didn't I didn't really realize that it was possible to to light fires safely. I've I've I don't smoke and I don't grill stuff. So I, and I haven't really done anything about the uh, the fireplace. But in any case, thanks. I'll take that into account. I just had the furnace done, so I paid off a bunch of money for that. So um, I think I need to wait a bit because I'm also getting my kitchen cupboards painted next weekend. There are priorities. I understand that, but don't don't get cut yourself off in the fireplace. Those those manufactured logs, they're just a log wrapped in paper, and there's a way you light them, and there's a seam, and so on. And it's it's just don't don't rule yourself out of having fires because that has been such a joy for me over these years. How do you clean up the ashes? I use a grocery sack that I I fold down the grocery sack and kind of tilt it in toward the um, fireplace, and then I use the shovel. And, and and scoop it up and kind of aim the shovel carefully, carefully, carefully into the, the reason I use a grocery sack that has been turned, you know, had the top folded down so that it stays open so that I can I can put, push a shovel full of ashes. And, of course, you're never going to get all of them, and I don't get all of them, but you just have to keep it a little less. And since it's only one log at a time, it doesn't accumulate like a whole fire, you know, stack of logs that you can, you know... 
you put a log on the fire and it's getting down so you put another log on the fire uh -uh, that's not how these things work you you burn one at a time when it's done you're through and of course you give it a couple days to cool down and then you i mean you don't do ashes every time you've had a fire i've had, we've had uh eight and nine below temperatures in the morning to walk the dogs in now when i come in from that i'm going to want a fire but um, you, you just have to kind of shovel it out. And I get help sometimes. Mother kind of guides me in that. And, and eventually sometimes my cleaners will take care of it. But it's, they're, they just fall below the grate and you just kind of shovel and, and get most of them into the sack. And that's really about it. If I had to have it spick and span, though, that would be a problem. Okay. Just curious. Well, we'll see you in – will we see anybody in December? When's the meeting – I guess this one we don't have to worry so much about it being the weekend of Christmas, do we? Don't think so. Hmm. I guess I should let you guys chat and check with my iPhone. Or does anybody know offhand when the third Sunday is? Hang on, I'm checking. Let's see. The first would be Monday, so one eight fifteen twenty two. So the first uh, one eight uh, fifteen. That should be give us plenty. Of, I think I've got it right. I think it's fifteenth. I've got it's real close to that, but it's definitely not right before Christmas. Actually, it's Sunday the twenty second or twenty first. Sunday the twenty first, because um, Sunday the seventh, which is Pearl Harbor Day, I've got something going. Sunday the fourteenth, I've got a party, and I don't have anything on the on the uh, the twenty first. That is close to Christmas, but it's far enough off. I mean, it's not like Christmas is the next day and we're going to have to be scrambling around. You know, it's, it ought to be doable. Sounds like a plan. All right. I'll see everybody on the 21st of December, which is the first day of winter. Isn't that interesting? Okay. I'll see you on the winter solstice. Bye. Oh, dear. I'm flying to Portland on the 20th. I'll be here. After all, we don't want our meeting shattered. Oh, Lana. <laughs> that was awful. Bye.